Timothy 3.14 says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. So the household of God is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, speaking of Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And so the Scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. He's just reminding him of that. Um, and so we have shared over the last two weeks how God has declared the church is the place of truth because the church is the body of Christ. And then in Proverbs 14, 34, it says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And so we looked at the fact that we find righteousness in two places on the earth. Number one, it's in God. And then number two, it's in those who are born again. Believers. And believers make up the church. The church, the body of Christ, is not perfect. And that is something that God deals with. Okay? I mean, he will straighten out the church. He does straighten out the church. The church has been called out by God. And so it's his responsibility. He established it. It's his idea. He has declared it to be the place of truth. And he will make sure that that happens. And so for every believer, we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, part of the household of God and the place of truth. And that brings us to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. It says this, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, believers, and members of the household of God. And so he's bringing up this household of God in Ephesians. He's done it in 1 Timothy. He's defining it. Okay? And, and he's talking about the household of God, the church. And he says, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And that's what he was referring to in verse 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And so he's talking about the church here, and he's talking about us coming together and being the church, and how it's God doing all of this. And then here it says in verse 22, In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so when we become born again, we become part of the household of God. We become part of his church, part of the body of Christ. And God fills us with his spirit. It, um, and again, I, I want to remind us that God created the church. He established the church, but he established it from people who are not perfect. You know, we have this idea that Everybody is going to be perfect once they come to Christ. No, that's not true at all. That's not biblical in any sense. But we have this notion that if you're a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, then you can't ever make a mistake. Well, that's not biblical. 
So, the world has to get over that. But if we've been born again, then we are His dwelling place on earth for the Holy Spirit. And Ezekiel prophesied this to the people of Israel and also to all who would trust in Jesus. In Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Speaking of His. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. And so this was God's intention all along for mankind that he created, that he made in his likeness and image, that God designed this, that we would be the influencer of nations, of societies, of communities, of our workplaces, of our homes, We are to be that. God has called us out. He has separated us so that we would be that place of truth. And He expects us to walk in that place of truth in our homes, in our places of business, wherever you shop, whatever you do. God expects us to be that place of truth. And again, I want to remind you of Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth He has given to the children of men. Or of man. Now, He hasn't left us alone to govern it, but He does intend for mankind. We're the ones who are responsible for what goes on on earth. And the greatest things that go on is when we, as God's people, cooperate with Him, walk in agreement with Him. I want to turn your attention to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to read a scripture that I'm not going to expound on much this morning at all. Um, And then I'm going to read another one out of Genesis chapter 1. We'll just kind of look at that briefly. But I just want this to be in the back of your mind. Because this will give us a greater understanding of, of what it means to be the church that God has called us to be. And to be the place of truth. The pillar and foundation of truth in this world. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And So in this, I just want you to see that it was without form, it was void, and there was darkness. Then God began to create things, okay? He created light, separating the light and the darkness. Greater light, smaller light, okay? He he does all of that, but he's doing that for mankind because he's getting ready to create mankind, and he's getting ready to put mankind into a garden. So he's not given him the whole earth yet, but he's given him a place in the garden. And then from that, as his family expands, grows and expands, then their influence will be over a larger portion of the earth. So we find this in Genesis chapter 1. Not him putting him in the garden, but creating man with this intention. Genesis 1, 26. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air of the heavens and over the every living thing that moves on the earth. And we'll stop there. And so, first of all, I want to tell you that the word Lord, which is referring to God's rule or government, occurs 7,946 times in Scripture. Okay? The first chapter of the Bible, we have God delegating His government, His authority over to mankind, over to humanity, right next to the family mandate to be fruitful and multiply. So He creates the family first, and then from the family... He tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And then from that, he tells them to uh, not only fill the earth, but subdue it and have dominion. And the word dominion there in the Hebrew is mashal. Um, and that means government or management. And so basically, God was telling Adam, you will govern or manage or rule the earth for me. And in reality, I mentioned this last week as well, but the entire Bible is, is about who is going to rule the earth. Okay? Now, God's government and man's government operate under way different principles. Okay? So now I want us to think about this. God has created mankind. He's given him the earth place them in a garden, and then he is supposed to have dominion. He is supposed to rule. In God's mind, he's going to govern according to God's ways. The fall happens, and so now we have uh, the enemy having authority because Adam and Eve, well, Adam in particular, gave that authority to the enemy when he ate. And so now there's a different government that is over the earth but then God sends us Jesus so that we can restore the government of God on the face of the earth. Okay? So, the way man governs and the way God given, governs are totally different. They're, they have totally different principles and ways. So, it's one thing to say that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth on the earth, but then we have to look and we have to find out, well, how does that play out practically? Okay, so this week and next week, we're going to look at a few scriptures that'll show us how we become that place of truth. Okay? But first of all, when God governs, He governs from the heart. 
when he looks at mankind, he looks at mankind from the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. We find this in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And Clayton, this is two slides, so you can follow me. 1 Samuel 16, 7. And this is when uh, Samuel went to anoint Jesse's sons and they were coming before him and the first one was tall and handsome and, and stocky and Samuel's thinking he's the one. So 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so you can think whatever you want about who you are, but it's really God knows us. God knows us and God knows our hearts. That's what he's after. And so if he's after our hearts, then we have to understand that God has called us to be that place of truth. How do we become that place of truth? And so Jesus gives us some instruction. Paul gives us some instruction. So we'll look at those. We'll start in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And this is Jesus speaking. Verse 21, Matthew 5, 21. Again, Jesus speaking, he says, You have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable of judgment. But I say to you, okay? So he's talking about what they have in the Old Testament from the commandments and how they've been changed because of man. And so now Jesus is saying, this is what the Father intended. Verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry, everybody say angry, angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And so what is he getting after? He's getting after our heart. Murder is the manifestation of what's in our hearts. And so, Jesus and God, they're concerned with our hearts. And so he's like, if you're angry, that's the same as murder. So we have to deal with anger first. So as believers, that's one of the things that you need to deal with. You need to deal with anger if you have anger issues. Because we're the place of truth and, and this is what God is expecting of the church, of us who are born again. Jump down with me to verse 27, Matthew five twenty-seven. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her, where? In his heart. And so he's, he's telling us how we need to live. This is what Paul was telling Timothy, that the church is the place of truth. And so now God is telling us what truth looks like. And it's about our hearts. Verse 38, Matthew 5, 38. 
You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, (laughs) do not resist the one who is evil. And I don't know if he's trying to remind us of anger again or what, but you know, he's talking about somebody who does you wrong. And he says, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, it's exciting to know that we're the place of truth, but now we have to walk in this truth. We have to walk in these ways. And that's what I'm saying. God's ways and man's ways are totally different. God's principles how he wants us to live are totally different than the way of the world. And so we are confronted with this. And so we have to change wherever we need to change to be in agreement with what God says. Matthew 5, verse 43. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay? That's what they were taught. But then God shows up. Jesus shows up. Verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How many of us, that's the first thing we do when somebody challenges us, somebody gets angry with us, somebody starts bad-mouthing us. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45. Thank you. I was like, I'm thinking, man, nobody's out there. Verse 45 says, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. What's he saying? So that you will be like God. This, these are the things that God is looking for in the church. So if we are to be the church, then we have to cause our lives to line up with what God's word says. So when you're persecuted, when you find your enemy, you have to love them. They might even be in your own household. They might be at work. Wherever it is that you find them, you are responsible to love them so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Verse, or Continue with 45. For He makes His Son rise on evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And that's a low blow that he's giving them. All right? So he's, he's letting us know that if, if we belong to him, if the Holy Spirit of God is in us, then this is how God expects for us to live our lives. This is what it means to be the pillar and foundation of truth for society, for the nations, for your community, for your place of business, for your, for your home. God expects this to happen. All right, just to make sure that we get it, Luke chapter 6, please. Luke chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 27. 
Luke 6.27 But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. God has called us out. He's called us to Himself. Okay? He's called us to a local church. The local church is the pillar and foundation of truth. And this is the truth that God expects us to walk in. He expects us to love our enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Verse 29. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. That's the golden rule, right? This is how He expects us to live. This is what truth looks like. There is a battle in this world down here for good versus evil. And the church needs to be the place of good, the place of truth. And I just want to encourage you with this because if you haven't figured this out, you can get really messed up by this. But truth takes longer to be revealed than evil does. Truth takes longer to be revealed than evil does. But I want to promise you this. Truth will always be revealed. It may take some time, but it will always be revealed. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 12, please. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Gotta check something out real quick. Oh. All right. Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Sounds like Jesus. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. That's not an option. That's a command. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. In other words, pause before you say anything or pause before you do anything. Verse 18, if possible, So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And so I think we can take from this that sometimes it's not going to be possible to live in peace with all. But for your part, make sure you're doing that. Okay, If they don't want to live in peace, that's their business. But you do the right thing. Isn't this awesome? This is what God expects us to walk in because we're the pillar and foundation of truth. 
for the world. Verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary. <laughs> to the contrary of what? To the contrary of the way you're feeling, of the thoughts that you have, and, and how you want to get back. He says, to the contrary of that. I know your flesh is rising up and it wants to handle the matter. But he says, to the contrary of all that. Verse 20, to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. So there's a different way for believers that we're to respond to people in our lives. And we can surmise by this that he's talking about people who are angry with us, who are contrary with us, who are against us, who are opposing us, who are persecuting us. And then he sums it up in verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Can I tell you something? The world cannot live this way. They cannot do what the Scriptures are calling us to do. Because they might be kind for a little while, but they can't sustain it. Because what God is calling us to do we can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit who is in us. You can't be good on your own for very long. When you don't get your way all of a sudden, that good is going to go and the bad is going to rise. But when we have Christ in us, the Holy Spirit of God in us, then we have power from the Holy Spirit because we are the believers. Now, here's the part though that we have to understand. Not every believer gives way to the Holy Spirit 24-7. We're not going to. But you know what? God has offered us a means of repentance and confession and to be cleansed by Him. And that's what God is looking for in our lives. This is what it's talking about when He says that we're the pillar and foundation of truth in the world. I don't know what we think it is, you know, some kind of great thing, but this is where it is. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what, what God has called us to. And it's not based on your feelings. It's not based on your likes. It's based on what God has done for us. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10, please. Mark chapter 10. Can I taste? This is Mark chapter 10. This is what righteousness looks like. When we do these things, when we walk the way God has called us to walk, that's what righteousness looks like. And the promise is that when righteousness reigns, the nations are exalted. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. And go back and look at the context of this. John, or Mark chapter 10, verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and said to, him, said to them, 
you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentile lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. In other words, they're hard on them. They're mean. They're difficult. Okay? The rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. So the, the people are in bondage. Verse 43. But it shall not be so among you. And again, this isn't an option. This is a command from the Lord. This is what it means for righteousness to reign, for truth, for us to be the pillar and foundation of truth. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And notice it doesn't give us an option. It says we must be. Everybody say must be. You see, this is what God has called us to. And if we're going to be the truth, then this is how we have to walk. So we have these ideas that we want to be great. Then you must be a servant. Verse 44. And whoever would be first among you must be. They say must be. Slave of all. So I'll give you the context of this. The mom came to Jesus and said, hey, can my son sit at your right and left hand? And then the other disciples got mad. And so now he's setting them straight because if you want to be first, then you have to be the slave of all. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you have to be willing to be the servant of all. So this is what God has called us to. And this is what it looks like for righteousness to reign. For truth to be the pillar and foundation of the family and for the world. And then Jesus finishes this in verse 45. So he tells them all of this. And then he says in verse 45. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so that's what God is calling us to. He's calling us to live differently than, what, than the way of the world. Turn with me to John chapter 13. We're almost done. We'll look at this again next week, part of it. Because we can say to ourselves, you know, okay, God, I want to be that pillar and foundation of truth for my family, for my community, for my church, for this nation. And then God says, okay, this is what I'm looking for then. These are the things that I want you to do. In John chapter 13, we're going to come into at the end of Jesus washing the disciples' feet before he's going to go to the cross. So John chapter 13, verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also 
ought to wash one another's feet. It's not an option. If you want to be like Jesus, then somewhere down the line, you're going to wash somebody's feet. And that may not be um, exactly like that of washing it, but it's having the attitude that Jesus had of wanting to be a servant. Wanting, you're choosing to be a servant because you want to be like Jesus. You're choosing to be the slave of all because you want Christ glorified in you. Verse 15, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Verse 16, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is what righteousness looks like. If we say we want righteousness to reign, then this is what it looks like. If we want it to reign in the church, this is what it looks like. And when we are, as a church, living in accordance with God's word, righteousness is revealed and it blesses the nations. May I remind you, Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation. But a sin, but sin is a reproach to any people. So when we live according to God's ways and principles found in His Word, we walk in righteousness, and it exalts God wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves. When you go to work tomorrow and you have a bad attitude, guess what? Righteousness isn't exalted. It's not revealed. God's called this to something greater, to something different. And this is what it means to be the pillar and foundation of truth. If you'll stand with me, please. Father, again, we thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice, his love for us, because he's got your heart and you love us. And Father, I thank you for your word that is true. Thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and if we're going to be like Him, then there's some changes that need to happen in our lives. And Father, I thank You that Your Word gives us those changes, gives us the direction for our lives, teaches us how we are to respond to the ways of this world, to the evil of this world. Father, I pray that You would cause us to be just that. That as your word has declared that your church, the church of the living God, is the pillar and foundation of truth. 
Father, it means that we have to walk according to your word. And, and I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will continue to enable us to do that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.